1: They've got endless energy and love it, right? Yeah. But you can have a ton of passion for something and it's not working out and you'll have no energy to work on it. And and I'm such a huge believer in that.
0: Imagine living your normal day and getting your car fueled up on demand. Seriously, check out LA startup Refill Fuel and enter code Tech for $10 off. We could not do this without the community believing in our vision together. We Are LA Tech is independently funded, funded by you, the community. So to support We Are LA Tech, go to patreon.com slash tech. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash tech.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Brian Nickerson. I'm guest hosting We Are LA Tech. I've got a fabulous young gentleman in here today, Sam Batesh, head of influencer marketing at Hush.
1: Sam, welcome to the show. Well, uh, thank you, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. This is uh, this is crazy. I just got to LA a month and a half ago, and now I'm on the (laughs) the biggest tech podcast in LA. So, what is a strapping young gentleman like yourself doing at a beauty brand? So, uh, good question. Interesting story. Uh, So, I've been in the influencer space for going on nine years now, since 2009. And, uh, I, I got to, so I I just closed down a company that I ran for the past two years that did influencer, influencer marketing software. Uh, we were trying to bring performance based buying to influencer marketing, uh, specifically based on impressions, which is where this is the reason why me and you, uh, know each other. Um, and, uh, I, my, my, two of my biggest clients there, um, or two of the clients I work most closely with, I should say, are uh, Loot Crate and Scentbird. Mm-hmm. And both those companies, especially Loot Crate, have really mastered uh, working with influencers. And I found it extremely uh, impressive. And um, I, I romanticized the idea of being able to work at a brand like Loot Crate or Scentbird, um, you know, a beauty or gaming company. Uh, that only sells online. And uh, when I closed down my company, I went searching for exactly that. And can Um, you share the name of your company? Yeah, yeah. So the company I I started and closed um, two months ago, it was called Brand Plug. Yep. Um, So we we built the software. um, We tried selling before we, Built the software, so so trying to get some revenue in the door, got up to like a hundred thousand dollars in sales, and then when we started to sell the software after it was built, uh, no one wanted it. <laughs> so uh, we we managed another hundred thousand dollars in uh, in influencer marketing spend over the past. Six months, but, uh, decided to close down the company, um, because it just, uh, didn't have product market fit. So time to move on to the next one. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
2: it's what a valuable experience, right? Like people hear oh, yeah. about the companies that <laughs> succeed, mm-hmm. but for every company that succeeds, there's more than 99 probably that fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and to go through that as an entrepreneur, I mean, what, what, t- tell us a little bit about that experience. Cause you must've learned yeah. something from it. And I think there's a lot of people that could learn from your experience.
1: Yeah. Too. I talked to my girlfriend about this, who's also an entrepreneur, uh, every once in a while, um, And, uh, like the number one thing that like pounces to the top of my head whenever, whenever that subject comes up is just how much faster I feel like I could do everything if I did it all over again and how much time I wasted on so many things that didn't matter. Mm. Uh, And I think that might be maybe just a little bit more true of, of her and I, because we're younger. Um, and we might have some, um, obscure ideas about what running a business is, is like. Um, but I'll tell you, I I spent a lot of time thinking the the main takeaway, just all relates back to the lean startup. It's thinking way too much about what I think, uh, customers want and not just talking to customers and being really Mm -hmm. ruthless about figuring out, uh, what their problems are. And I know about a thousand people listening to this, their brains just turned off hearing me say the problems of the customer. it, it, it's one of those cliches. It's just not going away. It's a cliche for a reason. That, that was the main takeaway is if I did it again, there's a great book called Running Lean. I think that, when you
2: do it again would be my guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, you know, there's a great book called Running Lean yeah. that um, condenses all the lessons so the most important lessons of the lean startup down into about 90 pages in the beginning of the book and then has like a, a 90 page um, light, you know, cover of how to, you know, run marketing for a startup. And, I think those first 90 pages are the most valuable 90 pages an entrepreneur could read because it just outlines how to go about running really effective customer interviews uh, and getting to the root of, of what someone would want out of your product. Um, I don't think it's perfect by any means. Um, I think there's an overemphasis in the book on finding multiple problems when in reality, I think it's more likely just one big problem. Mm, a lot yeah. of the times, um, that's the pain point. And then there's lots of little jobs that need to be done. There's also the jobs to be done framework, uh, out there. That's like the lean startup movement. But, um, yeah, I think just way more emphasis on that is a big one. And then, uh, also just the, the, how crucial it is to make relationships with builders in your life, like mm. people who like uh, designing, uh, you know, software or building software because the first year of my journey, I didn't have a team. I, I actually went through several teams. So I, I shouldn't say that. I, I went through a lot of bad teams, um, mm. before I landed on the team that ended up working out. So yeah, I, those, those are the two big takeaways. I yeah. To... I, that, that's so
2: true. Right. Cause finding like, what's that burning problem? Like not just like, oh, yeah, that's kind of a problem or yes, right. You can hear from customers. That's, uh, yeah, it's a problem, right? Like, mm-hmm. but like, no, what's that burning problem where someone is actually making a decision and mm-hmm. you can provide a solution that they're like, I want to do that. And that's, I mean, I don't know. That's like, that's sort of the magic of startups. If so you can figure mm-hmm. that out and find it and and do it fast,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and you And you meet so many people and I think this is, you know, I'm a more negative person than most. So I, I don't mind going here, but, um, you meet so many people who have these ideas, right. That are, you know, they're nice to haves They're They're stuck in their own head about, they think it's good. And I just think almost all those people fail. All those, all, a lot of those people don't even really start when it comes yeah. to like building the product and getting it out there. And I think, um, you know, I don't want to put down anyone who's trying to be an entrepreneur. Um, but I think, um, you know, I, and I get it, you know, the lean startup and the wisdom of that just really hasn't, you know, it hasn't permeated through culture enough that anyone who thinks of a business idea is going to know that. But, um, I, I, what what bothers me a lot is when those people can't take, you know, criticism and, 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 and want to be, you know, Steve Jobsian and want to just have this vision that they, and they say, no, 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 your, your ideas probably aren't right about what it should be. Meanwhile, they should be inviting of as much criticism and, and, and ideas as possible. And I know, you know, one founder telling me about something isn't a user interview um, in, in most cases, but a lot of times it is, right? Like if mm-hmm. someone told me about their music app that they're working on, and then I tell them the problem I have with music, um, I've had this exact experience happen. And then they're kind of dismissive of my ideas. I'm like, no, 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 you don't get it. Yeah. It's like, you should be you should be very curious in a yes. conversation with another person. Curiosity. And you can think I'm totally wrong, but... Um, yeah. That's something that that's a turnoff to me and something. Yeah.
2: A, a lesson I mean, there. having, having curiosity, right. Cause, cause as a startup, you're basically, it's a, it's like one big experiment all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so having curiosity about what's happening, what's not, why is it moving? Why is it not moving? What's happening? Like you can learn from every interaction. Yeah.
1: Um, especially in the early days when you have like 30 interactions a month to be off. like, <laughs> Right. Yeah. And they're pulling you in a thousand different directions if you pay attention enough. Yeah. Otherwise it's just like, ah, oh, I didn't learn anything this month. Uh, we're good. We're good. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons why my startup fails. I, I did a lot. I had a lot of these conversations and I would, um, I'd be like fishing for comments. I'd be like, like mm. listening for like a comment that would validate a hypothesis. I already mm. have. Yes. And not really trying to get at the core. Yes. Um, And listening to myself say this, I think this is, it's so tremendously hard to feel like I'm actually communicating what this experience is like. Like you, you really, if you, I I can't imagine like hearing this podcast, like we're recording right now, a year ago, being someone else or, you know, myself and going and internalizing that. Mm. Um, I, I once heard, um, in some podcast I was listening to investors say, I never invest in a startups or an, an entrepreneur's first startup. And I, and you can point out, you know, Bill Gates and, and, and Evan Spiegel and say, well, what about them? Um, but I think there's a lot that's true about that. There's some people who strike gold, but I think more often than not, you have to go through it at least once. And I think that's one thing I wouldn't say I'm ashamed of, but I, I def a huge mistake I made was fishing for the things that would validate I come back to my team with like, well, I heard these three things over the past couple of months. Don't worry. Like so-and-so said like they, they want this, which means they want what we want. And so-and-so said this, which means they're probably going to want what we want in a, or what we're building in a month. And I just don't think that's, I think it's really unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, it's really bad. You're wasting your own time. And, and it's really hard to tell yourself to stop doing that. <laughs> so yeah. well, I, I, I
2: totally agree with you. And I almost want to slow down and, and see if we can dive into this yes. point a little bit. Because yeah. it, it's, it's easier to see, like, you almost have to go through that and come out the other side to mm-hmm. then see what, where, where you were blind, essentially, mm-hmm. and where your, where your ego um, was getting in the way mm-hmm. of hearing what the market is actually telling you mm-hmm. because basically like the market does not give a shit at mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. unless you've got something really interesting mm-hmm. and um and, and that piece I mean I remember I I've, I can relate to what you're saying and I feel like I don't know if I've ever done like you mm-hmm. just keep trying to get a little bit better mm-hmm. um around that but I remember early days like the first company that I started I, I'm sitting there like it was almost like I'm always in pitch mode Instead mm-hmm. of always in curiosity mode. And it mm-hmm. took a while of like, wait, this actually isn't moving. <laughs> mm-hmm. To to and there's like, you know, sometimes it's even as simple as like reading the nonverbal cues in that conversation mm-hmm. where like if the eyes start to glaze and you're not really getting stuff back, like there's not actually an exchange and therefore whatever mm-hmm. you think is happening is actually not happening, probably or something else is happening.
1: Mm-hmm yeah no it's uh it's so crucial, and I think the psychology there the ego element that you brought up is um not to turn this into like uh a therapy podcast, but it's like you can you find yourself so invested I found myself well, I'll just speak about myself and not, and not try and prescribe what other people might be going through. i found myself so, so and i i do think this is this is pretty common um maybe not the most common case of a starter feeling, but I found myself. Very wrapped up in the idea of being the founder of this company that a lot of people from the outside in, you know, think looks great. I've got Skull Candy as a client, I have Sennheiser as a client, I have Loot Crate as a client. And I find myself having so much momentum into this idea, a developer who's who's invested a lot of time into building this. And I found myself thinking over the the last uh nine, 10 months, well, maybe, maybe we're really not onto something. But if I try and, and turn now, it's going to be really difficult. And there's a really good chance. I really believe in this vision. So I'm just going to keep pushing for a little while longer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what else I would do. There's so much unknown. Like, what if I go back into my user interviews and everyone's like, nah, influencer marketing, I got no problem. I got companies like Magic Links. I got, we're good, right? Like, we got influence We're fine. Um, it's like, at that point, you're like, well, screw it. I, I I might as well just keep trying to start this and give up in six months, and that's exactly what happened to me. And you know, you can you can definitely argue that there were some some good lessons and some things that came out of the last six months of working on Brand Plug. Um, made some good money on it as well, but um, not the right move in retrospect. Yeah, I've heard a
2: saying also like when you lose, don't lose the learning. And it mm-hmm. sounds like you've gotten you there's a lot of learning that you've gotten out of that too, which is just part of the yeah. journey. Yeah, yeah. So so I remember and and I want to get into to hush and why you're mm-hmm. why you're at Hush. Um but I remember um so Sam when we when we were introduced, we were introduced mm-hmm. by a mutual friend, uh Dave Trogan, mm-hmm. um who's an investor. Um fortunately he's an investor in my company. Mm-hmm. Um he was looking at your company at Brand Plug. Mm-hmm. Um and I think were you in maybe uh Santa Barbara at mm-hmm. the time? Yep, yep. Yep. Um and so Dave reached out to me and he had already invested in us and he said he said to me, you know. He's like, I met this guy, Sam. He's an influencer. He started this company. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything we've heard, you sound like you're in your 40s in terms of your emotional (laughs) intelligence, but share with the audience how old you are. Uh, 23. 23. And you've been in influencer marketing for nine years. Um, So what Dave Trogan said to me is he said, Sam is a young kid. He's super smart. He's like, I don't fully understand exactly what his company is doing now, but I know he is going to be doing something interesting at some point in time. And I think you guys should meet. (laughs) that was literally how he teed it up for me. Um, and so now, um, now you're at Hush. So Sam, tell us, tell us a little more about Hush. Um, what's the brand, um, how, how, what's the value for consumers? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so Hush is, uh, basically jet.com for makeup, um, and skincare with uh, a focus on mobile commerce. So our iPhone app and our Android app, um, although we also sell on web. Um, We, uh, are really well known, um, in the makeup community for one, having a huge selection of products. So we carry hundreds of, um, brands, thousands of products, uh, way more stuff than you could find in any retail store because we're not limited to the shelf space in a a retail location. Um, and that's really great. Um, because what I've learned, um, the past couple of months being at Hush is that, you know, unlike uh, like a hardware company that would need to invest tens or hundreds of millions of dollars into making a product, um, you, you only need thousands to start a cosmetics or skincare company. And a lot of them are really high quality products, finding really interesting uh, ways of differentiating themselves from Korean skincare to stuff with oils you've never heard of that are mono unsaturated and better for your skin. Um so there's all these great brands, but you know, Walmart can't stock them all, but mm-hmm. we, we can. Uh, and then we're also really well known, um, because, uh, and by the way, that all sort of falls under the umbrella of affordable makeup. So we, we mm-hmm. don't, we, we stay away from super high end stuff for the mm-hmm. most part. And then, uh, we're also really well known for some products that we, uh, carry exclusively, um, that a company, uh, actually also located out of LA, uh, started recently makes, uh, which are, uh, really affordable eyeshadow palettes and highlighter palettes, uh, and, uh, we worked with this company to launch these products, uh, exclusively through us, um, because we're a huge believer in, uh, makeup. No, no we're a huge believer that soon, um, these super high end brands are going to be, um, losing out to, uh, brands that are making really similar quality products at a much cheaper price because, mm-hmm. uh, makeup isn't really expensive to make a lot of these companies are um, buying these products from China at three, $4 and selling them for 45 to $65. And, uh, know, those are software margins, right? right. Like yeah. that's, yeah. that's insane. Um, and that's, um, it's been sustainable, but I, I don't, I don't know how sustainable it is. And I think a lot more money will be made, uh, in the long tail, um, with, um, products that, um, you know, cost a lot less And I'm stealing a, 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 uh, a line there that my CEO says a lot that uh-huh. we we heard from uh, the, the founder and CEO of uh, Jet.com, who's one of our uh-huh. investors and advisors. Mark um, Lore. Yeah. Is that yeah amazing? That, that all, the, all the money is made in the long tail, um, yeah. which I guess is part of the thesis of Jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely.
2: Okay, now I get why you're at the <clears throat> Jet.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. It all, yeah. all makes sense. Um, and so and so you guys are located downtown LA? Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and how many people are
1: on the team now? Uh, so we just hit 40 yeah 40 on the team yeah wow yeah it's Amazing. crazy and it was it was only five about 12 months ago wow yeah so it um, speaks to
2: the power of of the value proposition that that you guys have
1: yeah the other thing that struck me
2: you talk about like mobile first mm-hmm. yeah. um, and being and, and driving mobile commerce yeah, yeah. and um i have a particular interest in the area and maybe mm-hmm. i, I want to tee up this question mm-hmm. for you with some stats for the audience mm-hmm. so um most, most brands and most retailers actually do a really crappy job of having a good mobile experience mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. buying. Um, you'll see um, <coughs> Google, Google did a study about the mobile uh, page load time mm-hmm. uh, for most retailers. And I think mm-hmm. the average they did across the top 500 uh, internet retailers. Mm-hmm. So these are, you know, Walmart, Nordstrom, so forth, like big mm-hmm. brand names are part mm-hmm. of this study. Average page load time over seven seconds. Wow. Terrible. Wow. Right, when you just think of all the things that load fast, and brands are like, a lot of brands have thought of mobile as the last thing that they try to sell through. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you look at conversion rates on mobile devices versus Mm -hmm. desktops, versus desktop. Um, Almost across the board, it's at least three x lower on mobile. Um, You have, uh, you know, some brands are starting to innovate with kind of like one touch payments of like Apple Pay Mm -hmm. or um, you know PayPal, but ways where you Mm -hmm. can check out really fast and not have to type everything out. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm curious, like mm-hmm. to me, this is the future. And I, I'm in these conversations with brands so often where mm-hmm. like, they don't even understand that this is a problem yeah. <laughs> and they, and really like, there's a lot of brands that don't know that there are companies like Hush that are figuring this out from day one. Mm-hmm. And this is how consumers want to shop.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to steal another, uh, line from my CEO. Um, who's, but, and share who's your CEO. So share. Alex Lin, um, who, uh, It was in uh, gaming before this. So a mobile gaming company um, that he sold before this. So and it's funny. All three of our co-founders are guys. (laughs) A lot of people, a lot of people are surprised by that. um, How we stumbled into this and I can tell the story a little later how we did. Um, But um, the web isn't that sticky, right? Like it's, it's a lot. It's almost like mercenary style shopping where we're mercenary style marketing where you get one sale and that person disappears into the ether. Um, now it's, it's a little different if you're, um, a brand that someone's obsessed with, um, like, you know, Kylie Jenner's brand It sells mostly on web, I think. And those brand those, you know, um, people are, are seeing it all the time. Um, but that's, you know, Kylie's got this free promotion outlet that she, she doesn't have to pay a dime to post an Instagram post. And then everyone knows that there's a new product there. And but just,
2: I, just to give context around that. So uh, I think there was a stat, it might've been wall street journal, some, mm-hmm. some large publication recently. First eighteen months of Kylie Jenner's cosmetic mm-hmm. line, I think four hundred eighty million dollars yeah. of total sales. Yeah. Um, that was just announced really recently. So I just yeah. wanted to set yeah, that no, context. No, to your no, point. Good,
1: good context. Yeah, and then uh, on mobile, I, I you know I can't talk about Hush's specific numbers, but it's it's much better than you know one purchase and disappears. Um, and again, our CEO was saying the other day that um, it's it's just so crazy that I can we have the ability to send push notifications to you while you're sleeping and tell you to shop. Right. Like not that we would do that, but like I can I can wake you up. Like I like it's just this crazy power where yeah. um I don't know if you've seen there's this company Chris Saka invested in recently. Can't remember the name of the company, but basically you join, you opt into this um text that you'll get like once a week with products around a certain interest. So if you're an audiophile or you're you're into camping or tech, whatever. Um, and you're you're talking about like ninety-eight percent open rates, like it's just this crazy paradigm on mobile um, that I think, you know, it's, it sounds like, it sounds like such a dead horse, right? Like mobile, right? Like we as tech people, like that ship started to sail six years ago and it's probably just about sailed. Right. And it's like, well, n- not necessarily. Like, can yeah. you, can you think of uh, you know uh, a, a, a a cosmetic store that had, tens of thousands of SKUs, you know, and there, you clearly could have one and there's not yet one other than Hush. Um, we're getting to tens of thousands of SKUs. And then there's some really interesting data out of, out of China as well. Um, I don't know exactly how related this is to commerce, but have you heard how crazy voice usage is in, uh, like Siri type products in China? Have you ever heard this? Mm. So, um, I can't remember who did the study and what the exact numbers were. Um, but, um, voice usage like monthly active users for a product like siri uh, on your phone is somewhere in the single digits it's super low in the u.s um and then in china i think it's over 60 or 70 percent monthly active users using voice um and that's because those people didn't grow up with a desktop and Mm. there i think there's some other factors that i'm I'm not uh Mm -hmm. super familiar with I, i heard the stat on another podcast uh where i hear all my stats um but just just tr- like tremendous way to go in voice and you see it happening with alexa um but yeah i think you know having a spot on someone's homepage is is still crazy valuable even though yeah. we all heard people talking about it two three years ago right uh, a lot of people did at least yeah, yeah. so people so
2: people are buying through the people are downloading the hush app mm-hmm. how can where can we find the hush app
1: uh, iOS, uh, or, uh, Google play store. Um, as long as you're in the U S unfortunately we're not, we don't have apps in, uh, any other countries right now.
2: And, uh, and is it, it's called hush.
1: Yeah. It's called hush. Yep. Um, hush. I think the tagline in the app store might be hush makeup for all, but if you uh-huh. just type in hush, it should pop up a little pink logo with white text on it saying hush.
2: Yep. yep. So let's talk a little about Los Angeles. Okay, um, yeah. you're, you're new here for a couple mm-hmm. months. Yeah. Um, was it hush that brought you here?
1: Yeah. So, um, I I went on the search, uh, and you know, I wanted to land in San Francisco, LA or New York, but really just wanted to make the decision based on where the best opportunity was. And, uh, yeah, fell in love with the the opportunity of, uh, leading influencer marketing at Hush and I'd lived here before, so I wasn't scared of it. I still probably would have made the leap anyway, even if I hadn't. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I really, um, It's interesting. So the last time I lived in LA, I had a terrible experience. I have to (laughs) tell you, I had the worst experience and it's not because of the city really. I was starting a company. We were helping musicians run their YouTube channels. So we helped Tyga, Mike Posner, Far East Movement, um, Rob Zombie, um, figure out what kind of content to create on YouTube and how to go about uploading it in a way that's going to maximize the amount of views it's going to get in short And, and then we take a percentage of the revenue that their youtube channel makes the team wasn't as mature as they all are now so me and the two other people who i started it with um we were like 22 23 and i was 19 and uh made some bad decisions um because of our age uh so just really didn't have a lot of fun um, in LA because it's like one of those things there's a Sam Altman quote where he says, you know, I, when founders are irregardless of passion, if founders are working on something that's working out, they've got endless energy and love it. Right. Yeah. But You can have a ton of passion for something and it's not working out and you'll have no energy to work on yeah. it. And, and I'm such a huge believer in that philosophy. My, my personal passion is biology. I'm not into Influencer marketing as the be all, end all, Sam who I am. I want to move into biotech. I want to have mm. an, a positive impact on people's average lifespans. But I know that I can make a huge difference in the world by accumulating money and spending that on investing in biotech companies or having the freedom to just sit on a beach and learn about biology and pay three tutors to, you know, right. help me learn yeah. about that. Um, so I'm doubling down on what I'm good at. Right. Yeah. So anyway, back to LA didn't have the best experience of it, but had a feel for how cool it could be. And now that I'm back here, I I don't want to, I don't want to say I'm obsessed with it, but I do. There are some things about LA that are like, you just, I want to say you don't get it. You get this amazing balance between, um, enough going on tech wise to enjoy yourself but not too much going on that you're have, you're creating a bunch of really weak relationships with mm-hmm. dozens and dozens of people because you know, drinks culture, there, coffee culture. Yeah, I heard my brother say it the other day. My brother's at Goldman Sachs in town. It's like, oh, there's coffee culture at Goldman. There's like meet everyone you possibly can culture in San Francisco. I feel like, um, and at least these very transactional, mm. dirty feeling conversations. Yeah. Uh, and you get that in LA too, especially in the entertainment scene. Um, which I experienced a little bit with my last company. Um, but now that I feel like I, I, I'm not, i not, I don't feel like I'm having those sort of conversations mm-hmm. in LA. Um, and I just hate, I hate being around a bunch of skyscrapers. I, I don't, I, if I walk, if I were to wake up every morning in a loft and then walk out onto a dirty street, it, it, it just feels terrible. Like being able to walk out of my apartment in Hollywood and see the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, It's like such, it's like such a relief to, to see, uh, you know, washes over me like, oh, this is awesome. You know, it's relaxing, yeah. right? Like, I, I just don't.
2: It sounds like a good thing you ended up here instead of New York.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> there's <Yeah>. skyscrapers
2: there. <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, I love that. And then the influencer space is here, although I don't really think it matters that I'm near the influencer space. I think it's, we're here because of makeup, actually, yeah. because there's there's a big clothing and makeup scene downtown. Yeah. Um. I think a lot of it has to do with how easy it is to get product to our warehouse that's near downtown. And then because we've got so much inventory, we can't keep a ton of inventory, or so many different SKUs, we can't keep a ton of inventory for all that. But yeah, and then I'm obsessed with food. So the the food scene here uh it's definitely not as good as san francisco you've been to philippe's yeah no i don't know oh in downtown it's a oh.
2: uh it's a um it's you, a, see, f- you see my face just yeah, yeah, out yeah you i, saw, that? I yeah. saw it yeah it was good um we'll do a little i mean <laughs> i just went there this last weekend yeah. um but it, it's a la institution it's like a it's a um french dip place
1: oh cool right. friendship right. and Very it's cool. right
2: out it's right near downtown so okay it's right, it's right near you perfect
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> so yeah la just has this really cool balance in my opinion, and like. So I get back, getting back to like the meet everyone you can culture. Like I, I think, um, the, again, you make a bunch of weak relationships doing that. You yeah. don't go deep with a lot of people telling someone you're busy, like, it, cause you, you, you want to like meet this VC at crunch fund as a, you know, like i I'm friends with the associate at Associated crunch fund. So I don't want to say that, but you know, um, I think I could see that happening so much to me yeah. if I were to live there. Cause I've experienced it just visiting there. And really like, you just got to do the work, right? Like you, you can't do, can't do great work if you're meeting with a new person every other night. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know what, I mean, I work all, all the time. I, I put an extra, you know, two hours of work in when I get home a lot of nights. Yeah. Uh, not every night. I'm not a believer in, you know, working till like midnight, like a lot of people in Silicon Valley do. But, um, I think it takes away from, from uh, a lot of productivity to, to do that. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So other LA tech companies that mm-hmm. uh, you're like, mm-hmm. we talked
1: a little bit about uh, yeah. in the fashion scene. So, and so of, yeah. yeah, so Fashion Nova is the one like I, I get really yeah. excited about here. So um, uh, out of respect for the person who told me the number, I can't say exactly how much revenue they're doing, but Fashion Nova, it's a big number. Fashion Nova is doing a lot in revenue. Yeah. Like, let's just say like, let's just say comparable to Forever 21 and they're five years old. Yeah and it it would just blow, it would, it it blows my mind, um, what I've heard about them. Uh, so Fashion Nova for people who don't know, it's, it's, it's like Forever 21, but online only, um, it's a little bit more risque clothing. Um, so it's a little bit, a little bit more revealing, I would say. Um, but really at its core, the genius of it from my understanding is the ability to rapidly test, uh, products to figure out what works. So, um, some people out there have probably heard of fast fashion, right? There's all, yeah. all these articles that popped up a year or two ago or even in the past year about fast fashion, which is, you know, the shift from uh, really big brands. I'm struggling to think of a, a good example. Uh, Zara. Are, well, Zara Zara's fast fashion. I'm thinking of like before fast fashion. Oh, so gotcha. like who would copy what's on the runway uh, in mm-hmm. and and get it to the store in like eight, nine months, right? Mm-hmm. And then Zara comes in and they do it in two to three months. Yep. And then the... Model at Fashion Nova is what some people are calling extra fast, super fast fashion. I can't remember what um, my friend told me who's in that industry, but they're getting it made locally, LA or Mexico or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and cutting that down from three months to three weeks. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to make it sound like a good soundbite. That's literally what they're doing. They're cutting it down to like three weeks. Yeah. That's the one I'm obsessed with. Yeah. I'd say. yeah. I,
2: I, I hear you with that. They, yeah. they, um, uh, and I don't think they still don't have physical retail right? Maybe, maybe they have a spot. I don't don't think they have yet. Yeah. Uh, as we kind of get to wrap up the show, um, you know, Sam, one of the things we like to ask is, you know, if you had a ask of the community, Mm. um, how could the community help you? Hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and what, what, what would be kind of the one thing that stands out for you?
1: So, um, I, uh, I've been in the influencer space for nine years and, uh, I really, um, you know, I don't know how comfortable you feel saying this, but I'll, I'll say I really feel like it's a lot of really unsophisticated uh, people who don't really know what drives ROI, what drives impact for brands. You know, you could you could work with someone who spends ten thousand dollars on an influencer for an Instagram model uh, on behalf of a a cosmetics brand and doesn't realize that that person has 90% male followers because her butt's out in every picture. And that's, Mm. that's what men are looking at. And I've got the data to show that anyway. um, So I really think I'm going to build my career very likely over the next 10, 20 years um, as a person in this community who can come into a consumer brand and really make it a data driven um, Mm. process that drives, three, four five, $6 in sales for every dollar invested. Um, so I'm looking for consulting gigs. I'm still working, uh, with Sennheiser and Skull Candy, and, um, bringing on a couple more consulting clients over the next couple months and really going to be looking to you're going to look to uh, take on a couple advisorships and mm. just kind of grow my brand in that space and, and become known for being that, that that guy. So if there's anyone out there who's got a consumer brand uh, that's digitally native, uh, if you're the next Soylent, Allbirds, um, Fashion Nova, mm. uh, or you know someone who is, I'd love to talk to them. I'm always happy to give an hour of my time for free and tell you, look, you know, go, go spend your first bit of money this way and then if everything I said was true and was helpful and you think it makes sense for me to come in and tell you how I'm doing things at Hush and how they did things at Luke Crate and Scentbird, um, then, uh, reach out. Uh, so if you want to reach me, um, we've got a little consulting website. It's called ads, not influence, A-D-S-N-O-T, uh, influence.com. Uh, and you can reach me at Sam at ads, not
2: Amazing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and in your role at Hush, how, how can, what's the, is that the best way for people to con- connect with you? Um, or if people want to oh, connect with you, what's, what's kind of best way?
1: If, uh, yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn for sure. Yeah. Or, or Facebook, if you want to find me on there, um, on there more, more, uh, often. Okay, so, yeah, especially cool. if there's anyone in LA who wants to just grab drinks or anything like that, like I'm new to the area, I'm looking to meet people who really know this stuff here and, um, yeah, uh, would love to, would love to meet people.
2: Amazing. And if you would um, just spell your name so, so folks
1: Yeah, know. yeah. S-A-M. Last name B is in boy. E-T is in Tom. E-S-H.
2: Sam, it's been a pleasure. Thanks <laughs> yes, for being on the show. thank you, Brian. This is <laughs> awesome.
0: We Are LA Tech is independently funded by the community. We couldn't make this happen without your support. If you too want to contribute to We Are LA Tech and see us making the podcast, building the mobile apps, creating the events year after year, consider contributing at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash tech. Thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at love, Linked in the show notes.